This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. We're back. I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma.com. So, Eric. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Good. I'm Jasmine Jefferson, and I am guest hosting today's episode of Move to Tacoma. I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome, too. I'm very excited. I'm a podcast host virgin. Not after this episode. Not after this episode. Maybe this will be the launch to some fancy podcast career, and I'll quit my day job. Maybe not. What is your day job? My day job, I'm actually Marguerite's manager, so I'm the principal managing broker of Windermere Professional Partners, the Tacoma branch. Awesome. And Uh, you could start a lucrative career in podcasting after that. Maybe. We'll have to see. We'll see what the fans say. (laughs) But we're not here to talk about me. So, Eric, how long have you been in Tacoma? I was born here. Really? I was born four days after Mount St. Helens erupted. Wow. Yes. You're the same age as uh, one of my siblings. Oh. Yes. Okay. It's it, w- it was a good year to be born, 1980. And uh, I've been here ever since with the exception of four years in Minnesota for college. And I came back and the mountains and the water and all of that. And Tacoma was a changed place between when I left and when I came back. I mean, downtown was growing and it was vibrant and... I moved downtown and started enjoying that urban lifestyle as best as Tacoma in 2002 could provide. Right. And, um, yeah, now I'm raising a family here. Excellent. That's very exciting. So when Mount Rainier blew, I think I was four. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any memories of it? I do, actually. So I lived in central Tacoma near Allen Moore, and I remember all the adults talking about it. And it kind of the the way the sky looked was like a creepy, mm. just glowing f- fog. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. I, I obviously have no connection, like no memory right. of it being born four days after. Yeah. But I feel like a real connection to that mountain in a weird way. So side note, I just purchased my grandparents' house. Okay. And found all the newspaper clippings from it. Ooh. And they kept the full papers. And so... I have an opportunity to look at it from a different set of eyes than what I remembered. Yeah. And my grandpa had in his room a picture of the mountain prior to it blowing. So I thought it was interesting that I had that particular photograph plus yep. all the newspaper clippings. So I, I we didn't a, even plan this part of the conversation. <laughs> look at that. Hey, just one more note. That that happens to be uh, the morning of my first hangover, just to put all this in perspective. Wow. wow. Were you also four, Doug? <laughs> uh, a little older than I that. hope you were. <laughs> Not much. Not much. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about the Dune Peninsula, which I'm very excited to learn about because I love Tacoma, born and raised in Tacoma myself. I just have not moved away like you did. Um, So why don't you just kick us off with some information? Yeah. So Dune Peninsula is uh, technically it's a part of Point Defiance. And if you think about Point Defiance as like the hand, this is like the thumb that sticks off of the hand. Oh, yes, Not that I it's a very that. good hand exactly, but there's a, a little thumb that sticks out into Commencement Bay. It is artificially created, which uh, disturbingly so. So there was the Asarco smelter. Mm-hmm. And there was – my understanding is, is that there was some big storm and a lot of boats were wrecked. 
someone was like, it would be great if we had a like a a, har- a harbor or mm-hmm. a marina where there was some sort of breakwater. And some genius said, I know. Let's pour this poisonous arsenic. Oh, the super slag fun sight. into the into the sound mm-hmm. and form a breakwater to protect the boats. Okay, and, so I'm going to ask a, a question. Right. What does if they poured it all into the sound? Is it floating around in the sound no, now? No, it's it's well, it's I mean it's solid. Like okay. so, it it formed the land. Um, and so no erosion issues. Well. I think that this was in general a terrible idea. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until several years ago that a massive EPA-funded cleanup came in as part of a SARCO and said, like, we need to deal with this. And so they cleaned up a bunch of stuff that became Point Rustin, and they cleaned up a bunch of stuff that is as part of this peninsula. It's covered in dirt. It's, like, got two levels of plastic shielding all of this stuff from I remember human seeing the plastic. contact. Okay. So... In theory, if the EPA knows what they're doing, and it seems like they've done a pretty good job with this, I, I see that look. <laughs> uh, this should be a very safe place. Okay. Um, and all of the contaminant contaminants are safely away from the people because on top of it, we have built a park. A beautiful park at that. A beautiful park, and, and it is called Dune Peninsula. I, I like the name. We'll come back. You can tell me why Dune Peninsula. Yeah. But just for perspective— this is located and attached to a, a, a yacht club. Yeah. So, so the Tacoma Yacht Club has been on this peninsula for decades, and they they are tenants of Metro Parks. Like they pay us to be there. So it's a land lease. It's a land okay. lease. I that I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. That's great. So so that's actually money that's coming back to the taxpayers from this. Uh, piece of land that used to look like if you'd ever been out there for like an event or anything. You know, I've been to events. Yeah. I had no idea people parked their boats out there. Yeah. I thought it was called Yacht Club just for fun. No, no. But apparently people actually apparently use a the, marina and there's a marina there. It's a big marina too. So this Yacht Club um, has been the only use of this land. And yet there was still, there was enough land that we could build an 11 acre park because so much of it was unused and un- inaccessible to the public. And so that's the part that is now open to the public for the first time is this 11 acres of the site that's never been opened before. So this is the part that is west of like Copperline condominiums. It's And that's it's, 11 acres. So it's it's almost let's see my direction I'm a little directionally challenged. I would say more north. It is northwest. So yeah, so okay. if if you're like on the esplanade, uh-huh. you can look south facing the water. Facing the water, you can mm-hmm. either look to your right and you'll see like Mount Rainier, yes. and you'll see the Ruston Way leading up to it. And if you look to your left, up the Esplanade, you will see Dune Peninsula, mm-hmm. and you will see this trail connection that takes the Esplanade, that was and my it next takes question. it up to an overpass at an ADA-accessible grade, up to this um, giant overpass that has at the top of it what they're calling like the moment where these two sides meet, mm-hmm. and you're many, many feet up into the air, and you can see vistas on all sides, and then from there, you can keep going, and then it'll take you right into Point Defiance Park by, like, the Pagoda okay. and some things like that. So for so the first— So this really is attaching Old Town all the way into—and that's even downtown Tacoma because downtown you can take the sidewalks into Old Town. If you're they, willing to risk sh- walking along Schuster Way, you can yeah. get to downtown, which I've done. There's a sidewalk. It's, I've seen it. I've done it. It's scary, let me tell you. Cars but let's just, let's just at least say Old Town. Okay. So it connects Old Town— 
all along Ruston Way to Point Ruston, and then you take this little route up and you're in Point Defiance, which means um, we finally have this missing link mm-hmm. connection that has never existed before because once you got to Ruston Way, you couldn't get to Point Defiance, right. um, which is this like crown jewel. Like You should be able to get there, and now you can. That's actually a lot of really good access for people in other parts of Tacoma. Um, something I talk with uh, my friends about is we live here and we do not take advantage of everything. And it feels like when people move here, they start learning about all of these secrets and gems. And we're thinking, oh, it's not so fun. But then, you know, you hear from somebody new that you can get from downtown Tacoma to Point Defiance. I think that's my next bike ride. But please. It's great for bikes, yeah. I need to understand why it's called Dune because what pops in my head is the sci-fi novel and movie. So. That's right. That's what it is? Yes. Because of, okay. It is named. Please tell me. (laughs) I need to know. Well, what popped into your head is exactly right. Um, So if we go back to like the 1920s, a guy named Frank Herbert was born in Tacoma. And he grew – that that little boy grew up to be the author of Dune, I guess is the there very, we have the very short version. Frank Herbert. So so the longer version is, is that Frank Herbert was um, – I really like reading his biography. It reads like he was like our local Huck Finn. Like he swam the Narrows when he was like 7 or 10 or something like that. One time he hitchhiked. In his canoe, he held onto the side of the barge from Tacoma and let it, the barge take him all the way up to the San Juans and then, like, came back. Where were his parents? I don't know. Uh, Did he talk about that? They, See, now I feel like I need to know about this guy. They, uh, his dad, I think, uh, if I understand correctly, was a binge drinker. Oh. And, like, had a lot of different jobs, had trouble holding down jobs. And so he lived all over Tacoma. He lived on the east side. He lived at Day Island. He lived in northeast Tacoma. But Tacoma was a very special place for Frank Herbert. He at one point was living in Oregon, got married or was engaged and had at the spur of the moment, like, let's go to Tacoma to get married because he wanted to get married in his hometown. So really liked Tacoma. And when he was living here, this the smelter was going. And there was a scene in the in the biography that his son wrote about his dad. And it talked about Frank Herbert. Living at the time, he lived on like the sh- right on the shore of like Browns Point, and he'd go out every morning and he'd catch fish, and that was their dinner, that kind of a thing. And he would look across the bay and he would see the smelter mm-hmm. and all of that pollution. And the he used to say that like Tacoma had air so thick you could chew it because of mm-hmm. the smelter. Um, and the line in the biography was something along the lines of um, seeing his hometown destroyed by pollution, inspired the environmental message of Dune. Because Dune is one of the very first environmentalist novels. In fact, one of the very first environmentalist texts. It's often up there with like Silent Spring by Rachel Carson, which is nonfiction. But this was like one of the very first books that had like an environmental message because the story of Dune is this planet that has been so destroyed and wreaked by, you know, I guess you. I was going to say humans, but it may mm-hmm. not be humans. But like so, like destroyed ecologically, that it becomes a giant desert wasteland, um, and that is what inspired Dune. But the great thing about this park is like this park was like this environmental catastrophe, and we brought it back, which is also mm-hmm. part of the plot of Dune. The, right. So the, these characters in Dune want to take Dune, the planet of Dune, Arrakis, mm-hmm. and bring it back to be like this, like. 
like environmentally better place. Like they want to restore the environment. And we did the same thing. Right. And now we're calling it Dune after Frank I Herbert. Think that I is think that really there's cool. like there's a symmetry there. Absolutely. That I really, Does really his... like. Okay. Another maybe obvious question or not. Um what does his family think of this? Do they understand the significance of the park? Is anyone still living? Yes, people are living. Um, so his son is still alive, and he's still writing, like, in the Dune world. Um, and in fact, I think is writing the screenplay for the new Dune movie. There will be a new one. Oh, I can't wait. It should be better. When is it coming out? <laughs> I mean, how could it not I, be better? I will watch the other one, the oh, old really? one. I'm going to watch the original one. It's actually been on my list of old movies to watch because my dad, whenever movies came on, the 8 o'clock movies, we had to sit down at 8 o'clock, watch the movie and as so a you, family. You, you watched re- the original yes. Dune. Yeah. Yes, that's how old I am. No, that's fine. But not old enough to have my first hangover right after. Right after Mount St. Helens, yeah. So Dune, um, the 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 guy, and I cannot remember his name, uh, who directed the movie Arrival and who directed the new Blade Mo- Blade Runner movie, Blade Runner twenty forty nine or whatever it mm-hmm. is, um, he's directing the new Dune movie. That is very exciting. So, so in this park, is there space for a outdoor screen? I think we need to have like. The the premiere absolutely at Dune Peninsula absolutely is that a thing? I'm just completely making that up. I think it should up. be a thing. So how do we make that a thing? I don't know. That pe- what do people people at Metro Parks should listen to this podcast. People That's how at we Metro make it Parks listening to this podcast, and I know some of you, we would like the screening of the new remastered Dune. It's not even remastered. It's just completely it's, recreated. It'll be a whole new, a okay. whole new Dune. Yeah, we want it to be at Dune Peninsula. Make it so. Darn it. Make it so. There. Says Jasmine and Eric. <laughs> so um, that's that's uh, coming up. And, uh, and oh, uh, and his grandkids, so Frank Herbert's grandchildren, um, will be at our opening for Dune Peninsula on uh, July 6th. So wow. July the 6th. family knows about this. And, and that I think is a pretty, Sunday? pretty excited. It's a Saturday. It's Saturday. Yeah. Yes. I'm and, off. And, 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 uh, that's the first time that all of this is going to be open to the public. That is very exciting. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. We've got more to talk about. Don't go far. This is Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan MVP Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Nerd Farmer. Hope and I are setting off on a new adventure. We're moving to the Middle East for the next few years and exploring a new culture. Don't worry. Don't worry. The Nerd Farmer podcast isn't going anywhere. But do you know what is coming with us? My Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan. Here's what's cool. Alaska has more than 15 global partners, which allows me to earn and use Alaska miles even when I'm not flying Alaska. So if I leave SeaTac and fly direct to Dubai on Emirates on an eligible fare, I'm going to earn Alaska miles on that flight. That means whenever I fly home, I'm going to be racking up some insane miles that I can use to book future travel. If you have an international vacation plan, check out the list of Alaska airline partners like Japan Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Qantas, and a whole lot more. Enter your Alaska Airlines mileage plan number when you book with Alaska Global Partners and watch those miles add up toward elite status on your next trip. My thanks to Alaska Airlines for their continued support of Channel 253. Learn more at alaskaair.com backslash global partners. All right. So I have more questions. Yep. Um, 
I guess this is the kind of the selfish part of agreeing to do this. <laughs> is all the fun things that I get to learn. Um, you have the mic. I do. So I'm very curious about the design of the park. Um, I did see on the Metro Parks website some of the design. It's very unique looking. So what can you share about what was the vision going into that? Yeah. So this park, um, because everything was capped, all like the bad stuff was capped, and now we have just like a layer of dirt on top. The layer of dirt, we could really create it to look like whatever we wanted it to. So there was no, you know, no landscape to start with, mm-hmm. if you will. So the park has several features. Um, there are three, they call them sail mounds, which I'm not quite sure why, but basically um, it's like three points of elevation where you can get up and you can look around. Okay. Um, and so we need a, to look up what sail mounds are. I, there must be some. There must be some something. reason. We could also just call them dunes, if you will. You I know, like, like, dunes. like let's just dunes go with that. It's not made of sand, but whatever. Um, so you can get a little elevation. They're each kind of distinct in their own different way. Um, but you get up with that little bit of height, and you can look out, and Commencement Bay just looks gorgeous. Magical. I mean, I really think, in the same way that Chambers Bay just like totally opened up. This whole industrial, you know, former industrial site to like people who just want to sit mm-hmm. on that lawn and like look out at that side of the Puget Sound. Right. I think that this will do the same thing. It does sound for wonderful. for Commencement Bay. So we have these three sail mounds, and then there's another part of the park, and there, I should say there's also a trail that goes around the entire park mm-hmm. named Frank Herbert Trail. So we have Dune Peninsula and Frank Herbert Trail, which is on Dune Peninsula. Previously, so I had been kind of advocate not kind of i'd been advocating for frank herbert park mm-hmm. for like six years i think roughly speaking um and i was the one who kind of got the community learning that frank herbert was from here i'd, re- I'd written a story for post defiance i um, really had been trying to advocate for it mm-hmm. along with katie evans who worked with post defiance they they she and um her partner chris did like uh, who ran Hilltop Kitchen at the time. We mm-hmm. did, like, a birthday party for um, Frank. and Did our, they do a menu? They had a spe- special drinks. Drink specials? It was, there were some good drinks there, yeah. I wonder if they kept a copy. Yeah, I would love to Katie, revisit some listening. of those drinks. There were some good ones. Does anybody have that? Who, who is the partner? Uh, Chris Langston, I think. Chris Langston. Yeah. If you have your menu from that time, yeah. how cool would that, that was, be? That was 2013, I think, that we did that in 2014. So so there's um, – so Frank Herbert Trail. So let me ask you. Yep. How do you feel as an advocate for naming the park after him? Are you feeling okay with the fact that there's a trail and it's called Dune? What are your thoughts on that? Originally, I had been like Frank Herbert Parker bust. Mm-hmm. But – First of all, it is already a part of a different park. It is part of Point Defiance. So that kind of takes park out of there, which Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, And then in terms of Dune, the argument that came back, um, because they did a public process and like Frank Herbert or Dune were overwhelmingly the the most popular names for it because Mm -hmm. like so many people were excited about it by that point. The, The name came back for Dune with the argument, and I think that this is in the end the right one, way more people know the book Dune than know Frank Herbert. Which so, was my which, I dune popped into my head, yeah. right? There are actually features on the moon Titan, which is one of Saturn's moons, named after things in this book. Mm. And like, and now there's something in his hometown also named after the book. So that's, that's great. That is pretty cool. So there is a trail. And I'm I think the Dune Peninsula with Frank Herbert Trail is a great way to do okay, it. Okay, good. Um oh yeah. And then there is an event lawn. And oh. this uh, 
is that going to be kind of like the steps that we have um, over by the water part or the spray park? You've no. Got the concert steps out there. Is this something a little different? Uh, which, which one are you thinking of? The concrete steps oh. where you have the the musicians and bands No, this will be a lot bigger. Oh. So, so this is the kind of place where, you know, let's envision next summer, like, um, people bring their picnic blankets mm-hmm. and the lawn, and then they spread out on the lawn, and there's a band, and then you've got maybe a thousand people just sitting on this lawn a watching. A thousand people? Where I've, are they going to park? Where are they going to park? We have some parking. Where? Okay. Let's no, get no, right no, into no, the parking. Ser- thousand seriously. people. Okay. I, it. It's a really good point because Point Rustin, the zoo, Point Defiance, now this, like this is like already one of the most difficult places to get to. And our transit is sorely lacking to them. Um, we are adding parking. Like there will be a couple hundred spots. Shuttles? A hundred some odd spots. That's the thing that we, we've been doing already. Okay. Uh, on like summer weekends, we've been running shuttles inside Point Defiance. I don't know if we're doing it this summer. I can't remember for sure. But, like, we 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 need more of this kind of thing because, like, people can't get to these awesome places. Right. Um, and a so lot of planning would go into that, and and especially it, with kids. And, and, you know, you can't build giant parking garages wherever. I mean, actually, there is a giant parking garage huge. at Point Rustin. Yeah. Um, but you can't have all of these parking garages everywhere. Right. Um, it would just destroy all the things that that you want to go to. So there are some more interim parking plans that we're trying to do, but like, it's true. Parking is going to be tight. The way I think about it, like Rustin Way has so many people and there's no place to park. And yet somehow these people find a way to make it work. And then you look at like the Esplanade in downtown Tacoma, Mm -hmm. which has ample parking and no people Mm -hmm. like Parking is... We need a shuttle there. <laughs> shuttle from the Esplanade. <laughs> parking is not... I mean, people people will people will come. I think they'll come, too. I just want them to all be happy and unstressed. Yes. When it comes to parking, everybody gets stressed out. So so I think that this event lawn, the examples that I've heard could be like, is it like a, a Marymore Park or a Chateau Saint-Michel? You know, like, and I don't know what the capacities are of those venues and what the capacity of ours is. But oh, like, if you're saying a thousand people, I think that's two I, or three. I've been to yeah. Chateau Saint-Michel for concerts. I've never actually counted how many people yeah, are there, but I'm to... assuming it wasn't a thousand. Oh, I, um, they wouldn't do it if it's less than a thousand, I would have oh, thought. Okay. Let me just say, I could be way off on the numbers. I so could be too. do not quote this podcast me back either. at me. either. No problem. Okay. So, we, yeah, it's, it's, but, but we're going to not do any of that this summer. Okay. Uh, the grass needs bummer. to settle and all of those kinds of a thi- kind of things. So, grass. The, Speaking of grass, the long term goal is concerts on okay. this beautiful event lawn overlooking Commencement Bay and maybe movie premieres. We will see. So, just from experience, the grassy areas that we do currently have on Rustin, you have to have very dry conditions to sit out there for any amount of time. Is are they doing something to help with the drainage so that you know we have that? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, th- I think because it's at a higher elevation than where Rustin Way is currently. Mm, okay, and, so and it's higher. It is higher. Okay. And Rustin Way currently, I mean, like drains all of the hillside. So like mm-hmm. it gets very wet. We don't and, have that And this there. is different. It's okay. it's not draining anything. So I th- it's a dune. I th- <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. I had another question and I lost it. All right. Well, you were going to tell me a little bit more. I'm sure there's more than the sale 
Well, peaks the, or... the the event lawns, the mm-hmm. the the trail, and and the um and the sail mounds. Oh, and then there's going to be art. So there's mm. art coming to the site. Where's it coming from? Who's doing it? A local bronze artist. All right. Um, and she's going to have, um, things from. It's not sand worms, which is one of the most <laughs> identifiable things. It's like sand trout, I think it is. That, sand trout. If I understand correctly. Um, and those will be at the top of one of the sail mounds. It won't be ready for the July 6th opening, but it'll be open. And those will be installed in the fall. So there will be some dune-themed art. There is other art on the site, some very interesting kind of industrial, mm-hmm. interesting art. Um, kind of pay homage to this industrial right, town. Right. There's there's uh, And it's it also pays homage to the smelter itself. Like it's mm. um, it's kind of – it's a really interesting piece. And then there's uh, there's bathrooms. There's a little facility that you could rent for you know a rent uh, an event of some kind. That'll be great. Um, what is really going nice to space. be the the rental opportunity for people on that? I know Gig Harbor's got a nice uh, what I think it's Scansy Park, and they've got some lawn seating out there. Yeah, um, I don't know how that how that that'll be interesting. It's. I think it's going to be just a a beautiful spot where all of Tacoma will want to be. Lots of concerts. That would be could wonderful. Be. Could be. So as you're describing this lawn area, I can't help but to think about the Star Center. Mm-hmm. And they've got a large lawn area out there. Was that any conversation between what they wanted to do out there with what was here? Or is that two separate? Serves different communities, I okay. would I would say. You know, so so and th- this is me speaking. I guess I didn't fully identify myself. I'm one of the five elected commissioners at Metro Parks. That's kind of so, important. So that this is why I know a lot about the park system and Star Center and this park. Um, but Star Center like serves most of like South mm-hmm. Tacoma, mm-hmm. Um, and so the fields and the things like that are built for that. Uh, and that just like East Side is built for predominantly East Tacoma. Like mm-hmm. we we have regional community centers. Um, this, I think, obviously will serve the region, but it's also in a location where I think no matter which part of Tacoma you're in, you'll probably want to come right. come hang out there for a little while. Well, it's nice, too, that it's attached to the ferries. So yeah, it's really people close. living on the islands or coming down from Seattle have an opportunity to get access as well. Yeah, and that, that bridge that I mentioned, that actually that's, goes over, if you can picture the road that goes down to the uh, – the fer- to the Vashon Ferry, it's the bridge over that ferry so that pedestrians don't have to cross uh, ferry traffic or anything like that. So that's the the pedestrian bridge. There is also uh, – so that from that bridge, there's a staircase that goes down to the marina mm-hmm. and there are slides next to the staircase. So it's slides? six slides. Metal that, slides? No, just like nice slides. Kids or adults? Uh, I would say both. I've seen both pe- both kids and adults already on Oh, it. nice. So, so is it it is open now, but you're not having a ceremonial opening until July well, the, 6th. The, the slides were, were, I'm not sure they were supposed Metro to be Parks on people? it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's part of being a Everything <laughs> opens. elected official. <laughs> Every, I, I have not been on it yet. I have not taken, taken a trip down the slide. Everything opens July 6th. So that is the connection from uh, the water walk, which is Ruston Ways, Dune Peninsula, the bridge. All of it opens at the same time, which is going to be pretty great. Have they talked about relocating any current festivals like, you know, Taste of Tacoma? There's a blues festival in Old Town to this space. I've heard nothing about that. So we're looking for new New opportunities. Yeah, I don't. For I don't know events. how. Th- I don't know how that's going to work. That's I hope so. New stuff would be good since it's regional. Yeah. Um. You talked about Vashon Island, and I'm hungry, and I was thinking of the Strawberry Festival. 
Mm. It'd be nice to have some type of a, a festival dessert festival there. there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it's going to be really great. I think I think people are going to get up to that bridge or people are going to get down to Dude Peninsula and there it's going to be like I didn't know this was in Tacoma. I can't believe I'm in Tacoma. That kind R- of a thing. I think and, that that um so is that a deep moorage marina? That marina I think is what's going to give that uh that distance feeling like you're not in Tacoma and it's so know. so that that marina has been there. I mean as I say, you know, they built whenever they built that thing is when I that marina no has been, been there. There's a lot of um a lot of boats that that are harbored there. The next mm-hmm. time you're there, look and you'll see that yacht basin. Um, it's it's filled with fancy boats. There is also that's uh, Metro Parks has our public um, water access there, so we we have a boat launch there that the public can use at any time. Um, with uh, what do they have those uh, fancy posts that you you don't tie up to, but you can recharge or what what is the dock going to have on it for when you arrive on your boat? Oh, I don't know if there's – I can't remember if there's a gas dock or not, if okay. that's what you're talking about. Not gas. There's something else that you can do. I mm. hope it's not where you, like, dump your porta potty No, all of that is highly regulated. I'm okay, sure it's probably good. not that. I I, although not. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. But. We want the water to stay clean. Everybody's been working on it for so long, and it's so beautiful yeah. down there. And actually down there is a really fascinating thing if, if you're – you can't really see it from your car, but as you head down the ferry dock to the right is a brand new – uh, like the largest rain garden in the country, or something like that. Really, and it drains um, all, like almost all of North Tacoma. Tell me more about the rain garden. So it's the idea is is that before the water gets into the sound, mm-hmm. all of this runoff, mm-hmm. run it through natural grasses, dirt, things like that, and that will remove all of the impurities from oh. it. And so those storm sewers um, from a bunch of Tacoma and Ruston drain into this rain garden that's right next to Point Defiance, and it's part of that. And it's really hard to see if you're in your car, but if you're on the sidewalk, you'll see how how large it is. And it's all of these, like, cascading concrete bunkers, mm-hmm. and in it are grasses and things like that. And so those storm sewers get into there, and then that filters out the bad stuff before it gets down to the Puget Sound. So um, as part – and that is part of this project as well. This project, you know – Really, everything that's happened there from the new uh, roundabout at the end of – at the op- entrance to Point Defiance, the rain gardens, the bridge, Dune Peninsula, like it, this is – on its own, it would be like the largest met- Metro Parks project ever. That's mostly because of the EPA's putting in so much funding. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Metro Parks was building the aquarium on its own would have been one of the largest projects ever. And um, the Said Community Center, which was also – a mega project as well. So Metro Parks was very busy opening yes, three, say. three giant projects in the last year. Wow. Yeah. So are you going to be bored after this one opens? Because that's, I mean, what, no. is there anything else big coming up? Are we competing? No, it's not nothing like really big that I can think of. I think a lot of things, so after the 2005 bond, Metro Parks did a lot of work at like the local sites. Mm-hmm. A lot of I was gonna swing sets internal. and playgrounds yeah. were were improved. Um, the 2014 bond covered a lot of the stuff that we're doing, those three projects. Um, and then it'll go back to a lot of the more local parks again after that to keep doing that repair work and that ongoing That was my next question. Yeah. So that's uh, one thing, and this is not going to be funded or constructed anytime soon, but we did just finish a plan for Ruston Way, which is a really tricky thing question, you know, how do you plan for the future of Ruston Way? Mm-hmm. The, the current way it's been there has been for 40 years. 
Um, but once you start opening up that as a like, what should it look like? Mm-hmm. Huge questions around like, who should um, you know? Actually, let's start with the most basic question: what le- what what elevation should rest and wave be at? Because the current forecast would put it underwater within fifty years, let's say, if it was stated at its current location Interesting. or its current current height. So, how do you plan for that? Right. How do you get everything up? up? So, lots of questions that'll be coming out in some of those master plans. I think that's really excellent that that's a conversation that's happening now and not just uh, kind of waiting and seeing how does it slowly trickle up, but it just acknowledging it and getting it done. Yeah. I, w- people don't uh, – what I've been learning from this process, like you think what most likely will happen is, is like what's been happening in Gig Harbor mm-hmm. where Gig Harbor like some king tides with some certain winds will get water over the embankments of some mm-hmm. some people's homes. From my understanding is is that kind of thing, if climate change continues to push on the sea level rise the way they think it will, that'll just start happening more and more often. So it's mm-hmm. not that sea level will be above the level of Ruston Way anytime soon, but those high tides, which happen regularly throughout the year, will just regularly be over the waterway, over the flooding. over the roadway, flooding all mm-hmm. of those issues that come from that. I mean, in, in many ways, what's happening, you know, with Venice, where like, mm-hmm. you know, Venice just is used to now having several times a year standing water, sometimes six inches, sometimes several feet mm-hmm. uh, over certain areas. And um, it just destroys the infrastructure. So getting ahead of that is one of the, the plans of the Ruston Way. And I'm interested to see how that works. I'm interested to see how the sewage treatment center, how are you going to move that up? I'm fortunately not involved with (laughs) that at all, so I don't have to to worry about that one. Okay. Well, I'm sure it'll all be intertwined somehow. Yeah. Well, this is very exciting. On uh, July 6th, what type of activities? Is there a ribbon cutting ceremony? Are we doing uh, bubbles? What are we like? What what There will definitely be uh, some sort of ceremony of some kind, as I said. Frank Herbert's grandkids will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be, I assume, several speeches. Um, and then just, you know, go and explore the site. I'm not quite sure what else they have planned, but I think it's going to be – I mean, you know, summer starts on July 5th around here. So uh, should We're be nice. We're so excited. Should be nice. All right. So I've already disclosed that I'm hungry. Is there space for food trucks? That's a really good question. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Not on July 6th, all the time. Could we have food truck festivals and then you can lay in the lawn? We have a food truck festival at Red Park. I don't know if you've done that before, I but have it's, it's seen pretty it, great. But, you know, you could just keep it a going. Thousand people. You could have multiple flavors of food trucks all over town. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, I have no more questions at this time because I just want to be there on the 6th. See who this incredible family is that's keeping the spirit of their uh, ancestor alive through all of this and also experience the new park. I think it's very exciting. It sounds beautiful. I think it will be. I think it will be. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for your work on all of this. It's great. It's fun. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit movetotacoma.com. Is this kind of like videos? If I think I screwed up, just be quiet for a second and then start talking over? Okay. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.